Hello Church. Thanks for joining us for episode two of our podcast of breaking down the book of Proverbs. Again, we have David, Nat, Leslie, and myself as we go through Proverbs and break it apart. I'm so glad that you've joined us and we enjoyed last week and we're really looking forward to this week. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up with us to Proverbs 1. We're going to go through verses 8 and I'm hoping to get through verse 19. So if you have your Bible, open those up, read along with us, and we are going to break down this scripture this morning. How is everybody this morning? Good. How are you? Not too bad. It's been a good week. We've got rain this week. Praise God. Amen. So much rain. It's awesome. I am so excited to to have the moisture. I am not excited about the humidity. I worked out yesterday and was it, it was no joke. <laughs> it's September. It's officially spoopy time. So that's fun. It's not. It's not. That's October 1st. <laughs> it's whenever you want. Amen. Thank you, Leslie. <laughs> she begins celebrating at least a month early. Mm-hmm. Never too early. We have people in this church who start celebrating Christmas on December 26th. So I'm I think you, right you can now, celebrate early. November 1st, my tree's going up. Oh, awesome. I'm See? ready. November 1st, it's going up. It's going up. This year, we all need Christmas trees a little early. Now, I do feel like the seasonal decorations don't last long enough just because when you put them up, then at the end you're like, really? I just put these things up. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, they should stay up longer. Yeah. So I I get you on that front. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those who wants to rush into the next holiday, but for those who, you know, celebrate for Valentine's day or or things of that nature, those should be able to stay up for like two months because That's a lot of work to to only leave it up for 30 days. <laughs> yep. That's the way I feel about our Christmas tree. We put it up and we decorate it, and then we leave ours up until January 6th, which is Three Kings Day. But even then, I'm like, man, I really don't want to take this down because I really just put it up. Last year, we saran wrapped the whole tree and put it in the garage. That was a good idea. There you go. There you go. I, I have five trees. Whoa. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Five. I love Christmas trees. Oh, I love them. That's so fun. So basically, Leslie's saying we all need to step up our game. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We didn't we, even have one at our house this last year. I grew up and my parents had two trees, and one of them was a Harley Davidson tree. Like my dad is real big biker and loves Harley, grew up riding Harley. And so all of his friends started collecting the Harley Davidson bulbs and they come out with a special one every year. So that was theirs and we couldn't touch it mm-hmm. because they're limited edition bulbs. Once once they go out, you can't get them again. So if they broke, then we were in big trouble. Oh, man. And then we had our tree, which had all of our rinky-dink school ornaments. And my grandmother would buy us ornaments every year, and we would put them on there. So I remember having a colored light with special ornaments on them, and that was my one request for Christmas is that Amy allow us to do a tree like that. I didn't want one where the kids, you know, couldn't touch it, and it's, you know, sacred and, <laughs> you know, 
golden calfish, but I wanted one that the kids could enjoy. And so she conceded and we got it. We got a colored tree, which, you know, is not elegant. It's, it's, it's very much, um, I don't know. It looks a lot more trashy, I guess, than the white lights, but (laughs) we put it up and it has all of our special ornaments, got all of our kids pictures on it. And it's, it's something that I loved as a kid. And I, I didn't love a lot of things about Christmas. Um, you know, we didn't have uh, just the greatest of Christmas celebrations, mainly because my sister has a very over, overwhelming personality and my mother has a very overwhelming personality. And when those two get together for an extended period of time, like it, it gets bad, <laughs> like fights and nice. yelling and screaming and it's bad. So, um, the one thing that I really enjoyed was that tree. And so we got this, this tree and two, I think it was two years ago, maybe three, we found this tree that went back and forth from colored lights to white lights. And it is the best thing ever because Amy gets what she wants and I get what I want. And we have all of our special bulbs up there. And Amy and I have bulbs up there that like, uh, we got the year we got married and it has the year Mm -hmm. and we have ones from where we went on vacation and we would, we would bring something special back and we would make it into an ornament. And we, I have ones still from my childhood that we put up there. Like we have a Ninja Turtle ornament that got, I got when I was little, I have no idea how old this, this Ninja Turtle ornament is, but it's old. And so we put it up every year and I love it. That's epic. So that's my Christmas story for today. <laughs> I look forward to hearing more. Christmas was sacred at my house, too. Grandmother was a pastor. Everyone came over. It was a big tree. Yeah, see, and I didn't I didn't even start going to church until junior high. Like, oh, we, yeah. we, we never went to a candlelight service. We never, we never went to, to church during Advent. Like, we weren't even, we weren't even Christmas and Easter church families. Oh, snap. We were, we never went families. We didn't, we we didn't pretend. We just didn't go. (laughs) Like we weren't going to go and pretend like, oh, we, we believe this. And I I know that my mom believes in God and and has a relationship with Jesus. But whenever I was growing up, that was not something that we did. And, uh, my grandparents were church of Christ and something happened within the church that they stopped going. And so after that point, none of us went anywhere. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't even start going to church until junior high. So Christmas, Christmas was all about Santa Claus and presents growing up for me and in arguments. <laughs> so yeah. Same. So I didn't have an introduction to, to, you know, Jesus being a part of Christmas till way, way later. Oh man. So when you were reading those Christmas decorations that say Jesus is the reason for the season. You were like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and really, I I probably didn't even care. Right. Like, it wasn't something that was, you know, necessarily uh, in my life. And I actually, I went to church camp in fourth grade, and they scared me into being a believer because they told me I was going to hell. And I was like, no, I'm not. Uh, I'll I'll do whatever you want to. You can, you can. (laughs) Whatever you say. You can dunk me in the ocean if I need to. I'm I'm not going to hell. And so, (laughs) you know, went to that church camp. Never went to a church camp again, <laughs> but I went back to church and I was saved. <laughs> I told my parents that I wanted to be baptized and I got baptized and 
um, you know, there wasn't anything after that, but that's funny. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't until junior high that I even knew really who Jesus was. I just knew that he was the man who was going to make sure I didn't burn in hell. Right. <laughs> That's the guy I need to be on good side. <laughs> right. See, those were those were the times in my life that I need someone to give me wisdom. And they, they did not. They just gave me that, that real basic level of you either believe in Jesus or you're going to burn in hell for all of eternity. All of eternity. Oh, God, that's a long time. <laughs> I've been burned before. I don't want to do that again. Here's my option. And you just start thinking about all the bad things did. It was only one piece of gum. I didn't mean to walk out with it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, having having a family of, of smokers, you know what it feels like to get burned by hot things. Yeah, You're you like, do. no, I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. <laughs> that is not what I'm going to be a part of. That's so funny. So, yeah, that was my conversion moment. <laughs> Scared into believing. Fun stuff. <laughs> the threatening of being burned. Yeah. Scared straight. That's right. <laughs> Biblical version. That's right. And maybe that's why I put such an emphasis on uh, really expanding on the concepts of Scripture because I don't want someone to only have an understanding of Jesus being this ticket out of hell. Right. I want them to have a full understanding of what it is to be in a relationship with God and not just the fact that, you know, if you say that you believe, you don't have to go to hell. Right. And that's something that's important for me because... Like I've said before, like to me, Jesus and God are naturally, they're the same. So I have such a fear of like wanting to do the right things and please him and not ever disappoint him and not ever be on his bad side. And so when people talk about singing, Jesus is my friend, I don't have that personal, like we can kick it relationship. I have the, you're the mighty and I worship you. Whatever you say, I will do type of thing. So I have to step in here real quick, just because of something that you said. You said uh, the thought that Jesus is my friend. So I don't know if y'all have ever heard this song, but there is a song from like Sun the theme. 60s. Yes. <laughs> and note, it is it is the most ridiculous song, but it goes, Jesus is, is a, a friend, friend of mine. mine. Got a friend in Jesus. That is Jesus it. is a friend of mine. And uh, uh, just the words of it is is crazy. Um Oh, God, I'm trying to think of what the line is. Um, Jesus still loves me even when I, I play rock and roll. Or yes, whatever. yes, he, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And the, the electric taught me how to worship and still play rock and roll, yeah, I think is the way the line that goes. That song is on pinch, Pitch Perfect. Oh, God. Is it really? Is it? The show choirs <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. I've watched oh, that movie man. a couple of times, but I, I don't think that I was introduced to the song till several, several years after watching the movie. But yes, somebody sent me the the link to it on YouTube, and for for everybody who's listening, we'll we'll try and post it yeah. to the description so that you can go and look at it as well. But it is it is hilarious. Like that's all I can think of when people say that is when they say you know thinking of, of Jesus is my my friend. All I think is Jesus is a friend yep. of mine. My mind went to the same place. The electric guitarist with his legs spread wide open in his full rock. Stance. Oh yeah, and he is he is into. Yeah, he's like getting into it. Then <laughs> you've got the you yes. got the bass player. And he's the lead singer. It's the bass not player even. Is. It's not even a full body guitar. It's like a block with <laughs> strings. Like it's the weirdest looking guitar. Yeah, and the the, the, the tuners like, are down at the bottom, so it's just like the neck is just cut off at the top. And yeah. I know there's a company that makes those specifically, but right. he is getting into it. And I will say they are praising Jesus. 
you know, in their 1960s garb and they are getting into it, except for one guy in the very back. And he is the, he is the epitome of stone faced (laughs) seriousness. And it did have basically a choir behind them. It was like a, like a small like choir, but they're playing what would have been considered Jesus rock and roll in the seventies. And they're, they're doing the whole thing in the back. And you got the, you got the one guy who's just got this like cheese smile and he's loving his life. And then, yeah, there's the stoic guy who's just like, Jesus is my friend. Huge mustaches (laughs) and bell bottoms and, you know, winged collars. And it is great. I think we found a special for Sunday. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be great. I'm definitely sending this to the church. That after, would be so awesome. After podcast and finding it, and I'm sharing it. That's, That's right. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. So if y'all, if y'all get a random text before watching this, that's why you got that random yeah. text. This is the explanation Just of that. So you know. Hang on while we pause and go watch this video. We'll be right back. That's Cue right. the music. That's right. Okay, so we have talked about a lot, and we have not even started reading the Bible <laughs> verses out of Proverbs. So let's let's go ahead and get into that. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, Hear my son your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive, and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives, such as the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So King Solomon really kind of jumps into it head first. (laughs) You know, it's not this this lofty speech of of here is the wisdom that I have for you and here is the good stuff. It's straight. It is it is a cautious response of do not fall into the temptation of going into these groups and participating in sin with them. Right. So as we, as we read through it, is there anything that you guys got from this verse or anything that, that you took from this verse personally? I like how the title is the enticement of sinners. It lets people know, like, it's going to seem like a good idea, but in reality, it's not. And when they say, um, let us ambush the innocent without reason, to me, that goes back to when you act out in anger or something like that when you assume something and you react in it um ambushing people is also a sin type of thing you know when you think sin you think like drugs and things rock like and that. roll yeah drugs and rock and roll but really it's things like this like not having a full context and just attacking someone without reason or letting your emotions um not that acting in emotions is sinful but just be mindful it's easy to fall into these little traps right I just love that we went from 
holiday traditions and Jesus is my friend to <laughs> shedding of blood, shedding of blood. Like, October is coming up. The of sinners. That's if right. we have run the gambit dun, 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 on dun. topics, here you go. Um, but you know, yeah, I'm in the same way. It's just this idea of, um, warning against evil and, um, selfishness. And, and really I think it comes down to pride in a lot of this. Right. It's, I want, I want more money. I want more, prestige i want more power i want more whatever and uh i think that's really the root of where all this is is really coming from is is pride right also the group aspect of it like yes that's what i was going to talk about Mm -hmm. that's that's hard because a lot of people can make something that is sinful and be like see it's okay see nothing happened it'll be okay you can just just do it type of thing and that discourages people Oh, yeah. And when I think about it, I think about, you know, some of the things that I am most ashamed of in my life. And a lot of those times it was being a part of a a group that participated in something that I'm not proud of. Yep, I agree. And, you know, whether that's a, a party or whether that's, you know, just while you're among your friends, but normally you do it and you know, I, I don't want to be cliche, but everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. And and in reality, the world is doing it. If you think about it, you know, these are normal things. These are normal things that the, the world offers to us. You know, I should be able to participate in it. If everybody else is participating in it, then I should. And then if you think about it, a lot of the times we think about those groups as being our family. Mm-hmm. They become closer than just, you know, they're just friends. Those those the closest of acquaintances that we have, they become family and we involve them in, in everything that we do. And unfortunately, sometimes that family that we have created is a very negative family and can, can negatively affect our relationship with God. It can affect the things that we do. And then at that point, it doesn't necessarily become peer pressure. It just becomes something that we do. You know, it's, it's not your, your friends having to convince you to do it. You know, oh, come on, everybody's going to, it's just, that's just what we do because this is the family that I've created. And because they're doing it, I'm going to do it because I am a part of them and they are a part of me and it's just a natural thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that like gangs become so prevalent because they, they go to those who don't have family or those who are broken and they say, we, we will be here for you. And the truth of the matter is, is they are like, it's, it's, they are. it is yeah. a super close tight knit family that, you know, they, they stick up for you and they've got your back on no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then you think about sometimes those people that you think are good influences and that you want to be a part of, but then when things hit the fan, where are they? Right. They're gone in the wind. They're, they're nowhere to be found. You know, and that's sad. I, I for for me, I, I look at circumstances in the church, and you'll you'll have that that person or that family who's a part of the church, but then all of a sudden, when things hit the fan, nobody associates with them anymore. Right. So, like one one instance that I can really think of being really prevalent is for like especially a pastor. Think about the the pastor. If they have any type of of moment where they fall 
in public. Like they stumble and they sin and it's very public, whether it's adultery or addiction or whatever it might be. All of a sudden they're shunned as, you know, being lepers, you know, Right. If the pastor did that, then he can't be a part of, of us. There's not forgiveness in that. Right. And you you have these pastors who have to leave the church. And granted, if, if they stumble and fall like that, no, they shouldn't be in leadership at that point. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't embrace them and walk along with them during their struggle. In fact, Scripture tells us to do that. Right. To mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. But it seems like when people are in mourning we decide, I don't want to mourn. Right. You know, I'm in a place in my life where I just want to rejoice. You mourn over there in the corner. Yeah, um, I was actually thinking about this last week. I stumbled upon, um, I say stumbled upon, I guess I just hadn't paid much attention. Um, but there is a, a bit of uh, a sermon that was, was shared um, in a beautiful eulogy song. And uh, it was from a pastor. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. I want to know more about this pastor. And there's all this great stuff. And then I Googled him <laughs> and found out that he had um, um, basically had just stepped down from his church a couple of years ago because of an adultery situation. And I was like, and immediately I had this little thought like, does that mean I can't share this quote? And because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was so good and it was just talking about like a kite and um, I wish I, I had it on me. Um, maybe I'll share it next week, but just a really amazing quote. And the, immediately in my head, the, the first little fleeting thought was, does that invalidate everything that this guy has said before? Does right. that invalidate all of his books? Does that oh, invalidate yeah. all of that? And I think we, we as, as human beings, but definitely as Christians, we definitely uh, struggle with this idea of when somebody messes up, because we all do, mm-hmm. does that invalidate everything before, mm-hmm. um, especially when they've been sort of shunned and, uh, I don't know. I, I started praying about it. And I just I couldn't help but feel like, why should that invalidate all the right. good that God has done through this person right. and all the good that God's going to do in right. the future with this person? Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Or even when someone finds out about your past, right? And then all of a sudden you're looked at in a different light, and especially if you're in a role of leadership. Like if somebody knows that you have a, a, a what they would consider a more sinful past. Like, well, i never did that kind of a thing, you know, and they know where you came from. All of a sudden they look at you differently. Like, Oh, I don't know that I can associate with that person. And you can see the change. Yeah. You know, you can, you can see the change in people's eyes, just Mm -hmm. observing people uh, going through that. And and where we as Christians should be celebrating that God clearly redeemed that person and, and, and did a big work. You know, that's what one thing that breaks my heart a lot of times is we'll, we'll see people come into the church and they're like, but if you knew what I've done, mm-hmm. that would disqualify mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, we're all human beings. Oh, like yeah. Nothing right. should ever disqualify anyone from being able to come to church yeah. and to serve. And um, I mean, I understand the difference between leadership and serving. Right. Um, but um, being able to just be in church and to serve and to find a place to plug in, that should never... I should never be a place where someone would doubt right. that they're, they should have a place in the church. Right. And that's where we have to step up and be better as a church. Mm-hmm. And I think as a pastor, it's, it's hard because you're set up on this island and people are afraid to approach you because they don't want to show their true colors. But then, you know, they, they put you on this, this 
higher pedestal that whenever people figure out you've messed up, then they're going to knock you off of it. And it's a long fall because people build some high pedestals. And so as a pastor, you're afraid to share anything about your life. You know, you're afraid to share about your past because what if that makes somebody look at me differently? And so how are you supposed to be a part of a family if you can't be open and you can't be honest about things? And because if you are open and honest, not everybody's going to accept you. Right. And not everybody's going to look at you the same. So it's easier to find a group of people that, that will look at you and say, man, I'll take you just as you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. And so that enticement is, it's real in life. And the same thing for the church. If the church has this, this reputation of looking at people in a way that if they are not up to a certain standard, then they're not welcome. Well, then those people are going to go find another group of, of individuals that are going to accept them how they are. And so I love the movement within the church that his, you know, it's shifted in the last decade, I would say, from, you know, this, this judgmental, you know, you have to get your life together before you're a part of church to just an overwhelming, no, please come as you are. And, and we'll take you as in whatever situation you're in and we will hopefully, yeah, we'll help lead you through change and we'll allow God to lead you through that change because we can't make you change. We can't force you to change. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But hopefully in you coming, hopefully that will help you with your change. And no matter where you're at in your stage, you're a part of this family. Right. Which for this group of people that entice them, say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. That's what makes it easy because you might have your sinful, really bad nature that you hide from others mm-hmm. in common with that group of people. And so you're drawn to them because you know that they won't judge you for that one thing that's really hard on you. But in the church, that's why it's important for us to really emphasize come as you are. Mm -hmm. Because if we could have Jesus in common, then the sinfulness will naturally come because Jesus was for the sinners. He ate and sat with the sinners. It was his whole purpose in life was to save the sinners. And if we could just have that, then they'd be less inclined to follow that group follow our group right and still be able to release the sin versus mm-hmm. carry it because ever someone else has it type of thing right but i think the church needs to be a place for people to come and be open and to be honest about you know what what not just what they've done but what they struggle with because i feel like we hide it so often that people have no idea about it. But if we'd have known about the struggle before, maybe we could have helped you with the struggle to the point where now when everything's come out, you know, now we're not, we're not so overwhelmed by it and we're not so just up in arms about it. And maybe we could have helped it not get to this point. If we'd have known that this is what you were struggling with, then we could have given you resources to help with that. But we're so afraid of people judging us and we're so afraid of people shunning us because of the things that we struggle with. They were not open with anybody. Like that's, that's my private thing. You know, that's, that's what I'm dealing with. To me, it has a, like on Facebook, I mean, somebody can tear you down and mm-hmm. have the whole world involved in five minutes and 
you don't even have a Facebook. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, you're told that's super about hard. it. And so that I think that makes it harder today for people to come forward and say this happened in my past because you don't they don't one hundred percent trust the people they're in the room with as to am I gonna see this on Facebook? Is this gonna come out on social media? Right. And because so, I mean, if you watch, they can. You could lives can be destroyed, mm-hmm. like boom, yeah, real fast, yeah, so. super fast. And that's what I like about t- our testimony Tuesday is it provides that opportunity for people to be open, and and you know I I, I still feel like there's there is some hesitation in that because again, people Personal. are so afraid of what might happen. And they're so afraid of, of the way people might look at them. So so here we go. I'll tell you what. Changing course real quick. <laughs> I'm going to be super open and super honest. All right, hit it. Okay. I, and and this, is, this is for everyone who's sitting at this table, but it's also for everyone who's listening. So here, here's the thing with pastors, right? So we are so scared of opening up because we're afraid of the way that people will look at us and the way that people will respond to us. Like they'll, they'll think, you know, well, they shouldn't be a pastor because of what was in their past or they shouldn't be in the position that they're in. So here's the deal. Here's, here's my life in a nutshell, right? So up until me really coming to know and have a better relationship with God, I was a full blown addict I mean, my, my, my family is full of, of addicts. I mean, that's, that's who they are. If you look back throughout my, my, you know, family tree, my grandparents, whom I love dearly, uh, they, they were heavy smokers and my granddad was a a pretty heavy drinker. Um, and then, you know, it it goes on to my parents and, and, you know, I'm not going to spill their stuff on here because that's for them, but, uh, they had their struggles and, you know, my, my dads, they, they, they struggled with it as well. And so I didn't fall far from the tree. And when, when I graduated and, you know, I, I was married right out of high school, I was still an addict. And, you know, to say I was an addict, I'm, I'm still an addict because, you know, that's, that's still something that struggle with. Yeah. Someone, you know, if you're an addict, you're going to struggle with it the rest of your life. Um, and I have an addictive personality. Like if I find something that I, I really like, I, I'd latch onto it. So like CrossFit, I love it. So like I talk about CrossFit all the time. Why? Because I'm addicted to going to CrossFit, you know? And, uh, so, uh, you know, my, my grandmother drank Cokes. Um, so for me, like drinking a Coke is, is still difficult because if I drink a Coke, I'm going to drink 30,000 Cokes before all is said and done. And all of a sudden I'm going to gain 50 pounds. And because that's, that's, that's who I am. So right now, one of the big things that I really enjoy is uh, a root beer from Bricktown. uh, uh, Oh God, it's a restaurant in Wichita Falls. I can't even think of the whole name, but they have a home brewed root beer. And so I will have people buy me a, a, a box of root beer when they travel to Wichita Falls and when they come down to visit us in Snyder and I'll buy an entire box of root beer and it's in my garage. <laughs> so I have an addictive personality. So in knowing that I have to be careful of what I allow in my life. Right. 
because I have that personality and I've struggled with addiction all of my, my life. And, but to look at where God has brought me in the midst of my, my addiction to where I am now, it is, it is, it's an incredible story. And, you know, the truth of the matter is I shouldn't be afraid to share that. And neither should anybody else right? because that is the redemptive story of Jesus. And that's what scripture is. It's the entire narrative, the redemptive story of God redeeming the people of Israel all throughout the Old Testament. And they did some shady stuff. They really did. I mean, they, they were not the, the greatest of, of nations and they did not follow God very well. Yet God continually redeemed them and continually called them back into a, a relationship with him, even after they did the, the most absurd things. I mean, you look at all of the leaders and all of them were broken. Uh, uh, I mean, Abraham struggled in faith. You know, he didn't fully trust God and, and struggled with that. Um, Noah has his sins. Moses has his sins. He killed a man. And then, you know, still he questioned God when God came and called him into ministry. And then you have David, and David uh, committed adultery, then committed murder through to cover that. military, yeah, to, to cover, cover that up. And then you have King Solomon, who led the entire nation of Israel to uh, idol worship. I mean, these were the people of God, yet they still struggled, and they were still failures. And the truth of the matter is, is I struggle, and I'm still a failure. But God's redemptive story is continuously at work in my life. And if I can't share that redemptive story with people, then I'm crippled. Because that is the movement of Jesus in my life. And that is the glorious thing about sharing your redemptive narrative. Is it allows people to see what God is able to do. And that's why I feel like the church needs to be open and needs to be a place where we can share those things. Now, granted, not all of us need to stand on the front, in the front of the altar and proclaim, these are my sins, <laughs> view it all world, you know? But I was talking to someone the other day, and God will provide you with people in your life that need to hear your redemptive story. Because God, that's the way God works is he puts people in your life that need to hear that redemptive story. And if you are unwilling to share it, then you are missing out on building that person up and bringing them into a place where they are potentially closer in their relationship with God. Right. So we have to be willing to share that redemptive narrative in our story. So my redemptive narrative is that of an addict to a pastor. Amen. And, and that's who I am. That's who God has, has built me up out of. And, you know, the, the addiction that I struggled with in the midst of sin is not as much of a struggle that I have today because I have a good support group around me. And, and you know, it's not something that bothers me now. I, I really don't even in struggle with it right now. But if I don't have that support group and if the stresses of the world happen, it's easy for that group to entice me back into it. Right. It's easy for those people to say, well, just once, right. you know, it's, it's just once, but that once can open the can of work. Yeah. It'll, it'll ruin you. Mm -hmm. 
And then you have to start the process over again. So don't, don't be enticed by the evil groups that, that try to say, you know, come and, and do this. Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself that, with people that you can be open about yeah. and, and honest with. And, and say, hey, these are my struggles. And I need you guys to help me with these struggles. And we need to be the people who are there in the midst of those struggles. We don't need to be the people that, that you know, shift with the wind and, and run away. We need to be those people who are present and, and willing to help. That's what the church is. I've had people tell me I didn't show up on Wednesdays or I didn't show up on Sundays because I was struggling with something. And if they would just realize that if they could just come anyways and bring that heaviness, then... We could be there for them in that time and encourage them. Let me feed you anyways. Come and smile and, you know, let me be happy with you. Let me listen to you. Let me give you a reason to get your mind off of it type of thing. Yeah. You know, come and watch these kids worship. Watch, you know, the youth react with David um, on Sundays. You know, let the church be here for you. Let us distract you. Because sometimes even just that helps mm-hmm. versus yeah, sure. you staying home following yeah or brooding on it right and yeah. what you're struggling with and then you know the enemy's a liar and he likes to sneak in in those times <clears throat> so it's like the story of david where he sinned not because of where he was but where he wasn't mm-hmm. you know in in that instance like if you're struggling with something you don't need to be alone right. in it. i'm sure there's times where you do but come and let your church love on you mm-hmm. and we can be that family in that group for you that ends up being positive. Right. I would also extend that to those who are struggling with, um, anxiety and depression and oh, some yeah. of those things. Um, sometimes our, our biggest sin isn't something so physical as in I'm, I'm addicted to this thing. Sometimes it's, we hate who we see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we're alone, we're at the most tempted mm-hmm. of of thinking these terrible self-deprecating thoughts and um, and sometimes it's, it's in, I would say more than sometimes it's in those moments we have to have community mm-hmm. we have to have someone who can who can help us because I'm the world's worst at bearing my my junk on my own mm-hmm. and um, I mean. That's that's something I've been dealing with hardcore this week. Honestly, is uh, the voices that I I hear in my head uh, that makes me sound crazy, but um, it's my own voice telling me that I'm not good enough, that I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not whatever. And those are those moments where you have to have someone who can pour life back into you. Um, and so for 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 those of you guys who are listening who who kind of feel that same way, like maybe I'm not I'm not struggling with some kind of addiction or or tough sin like what this passage is saying. I'm just the person who doesn't like me. Right. And that is just as crippling and that is just as damaging to you. Mm-hmm. And I would I would just encourage you find someone you can talk to. Um, because you are worth it. You may think that you're not, and you may tell yourself that you're not, but you are. And so, yeah. and that's, that's the way God created us. He created Adam and saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone, so he created Eve. Right. We were meant for community. Right. 
we were meant to be a part. And even, even when Jesus went and, and started his ministry, he didn't start his ministry alone. Nope. He went and gathered people around him. And then whenever the church started, they went together. And then what did they do? They, they gathered people. And they became a community. And Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We were created so that we could share each other's burdens. Yeah, we see that in Acts chapter 9, really going into chapter 10. After uh, Saul is on the road to Damascus, um, he literally was blinded by God. And he was told to go uh, to this house and God would send somebody to minister to him for three days, and then God lifted the blindness. Like, before Paul could even start his ministry, he had to have someone come and minister Mm -hmm. to him, work through some of those burdens. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing. And even at that, it was someone he had hurt before. Yeah. Yeah. And was afraid. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, you have every right to kill me, hurt me, judge me type of Mm -hmm. thing. Like, God, you're sending me to who? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know that guy kills <laughs> us, right? Like, like, what are you doing, God? Right, right. But think about that too. Think about the people that persecute you. What are we called to do for those people? Love We're them and called them. to show love and kindness and to uh, build them up, even when they're trying to tear us down. One of the most difficult things that I've dealt with as a pastor is there have been people in the church who their one desire is is causing me anxiety like they they wanted to mess things up they wanted whatever it was that i was trying to do they wanted to make sure that it didn't happen right whether it was because they felt like the church was was changing too much or whatever it might be but if if they were upset with me they went out of their way to ruin my day Mm -hmm. but as a believer I'm not called to retaliate. I'm called I'm called to to obey scripture and I'm called to love. And so whenever whenever we have those people in our life, we need to understand that we are called to be different. We're not called to to go eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We are called to to love. Right, because if we go, I think the saying is: is if everybody goes for an eye for an eye, then everyone's going to be blind. Yep. We can't. We can't do that. We can't do that as believers. We have to. We have to be kind, and we have to love, even though it's hard. Because maybe, just maybe, in our kindness, we will shed a little bit of light on what. The, the love and mercy of Jesus is like. At the very least, be praying for that person. What I've been praying for lately is to, for the opportunity for God to like move in such a way that it's noticeable, mm-hmm. just, just to have his presence there. And even if it's a situation where, like if it's a person that has hurt me or is hurting, retaliated or whatever, I'm like, if you need me to be that person, then give me the strength to, take all of that that's being poured down on because at the end of the day once that what i've noticed is when someone's retaliating once they kind of get all that out then there's nothing left and that's the time for love and embrace and forgiveness and peace and that's when 
it really matters. You got to kind of get through that point. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of what I've been praying for lately. Right. And scripturally, sometimes there's not, there's not going to be an opportunity for reconciliation. And that's okay because scripturally it says that it's okay. But scripturally, the way that we're supposed to deal with situations is we're supposed to go and have a conversation with that person. And then if things are not solved, then we're supposed to go and have a conversation with that person, with another person, so that both sides can share what's going on. And then that that second party who is you know outside of the situation can say, okay, this is what I see. And this is what I feel. So scripturally, it's supposed to be a, a spiritual leader. So that can be a pastor. And that's found in Matthew 18, if you're yeah. wanting to read that. Yeah, that can be, <laughs> that can be a, you know, a spiritual leader. It can be um, the pastor. It can, it can be whoever. But make sure, I mean, you know, don't just go grab some random person off the streets. That's not wise. <laughs> hey, you, come here. That's right. That's right. Grab someone who, who, who is wise, okay? Don't, like. don't you know go grab some some idiot and be like, hey, I need you to come and oversee this argument. But you're supposed to go and you're supposed to take it to that person. And then still, if both sides can't agree, then you're supposed to take it one more time to a group of people. Community, yeah. To the community of people and say, this is what's going on and I need y'all to help with this situation. Then at that point, if still things don't get better, then you break off the relationship. Right. And you decide, okay, we can't do this anymore. If at some point you want to reconcile with me, then come back. And and it never completely shuts the door for reconciliation. But it does give you a position to say, okay, if we can't come to terms in this, then this relationship is more damaging than it is anything else. And we need to stop. And we need to do something different. Right. But... As a community, we have to go through that process. We can't just say, oh, well, you you hurt me, so I'm never going to talk to you again. It's, you know, we have to be open. And again, it's all about openness. It's I can't all help, about communication. I can't help but wonder how many relationships would be um, fixed if we would just have that first conversation. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's, you've hurt me, I'm cutting you off, and there's never even a conversation in the person the other person may not even know why you're upset. Right. Like they didn't even realize. And and obviously there are times when um, they know why you're upset. Right. But if we cut it off and we never give it a chance um, to reconcile. And I know I'm, I'm terrible at that. Um, I don't like confrontation. Um, like so much so that I'm probably afraid of it, to be honest. Um, but uh, it's so important that we actually take the time to voice those things because most of the time it won't go past that first right. conversation. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I love, I would have people who were mad at me in, in church and as a pastor and I would have no idea that they were mad at me. Oh, sad. Like other than the fact that, you know, they, they might've, you know, stopped talking to me as much, but in reality there were 70 people within the church and I didn't, I didn't have, I guess the, the wherewithal to realize, Oh, this person went from talking to me every Sunday to not speaking to me as much. And all of a sudden someone would come up to me and they'd be like, did you know that so-and-so is really mad at you? (laughs) No, (laughs) nobody said anything. Nobody told me anything. I, I can't read your mind. 
And, and let's be real. Um, you know, I'll say the stereotype is real. Guys are the worst about reading the situation and, yeah, and reading, reading the mood and saying, oh, that person really doesn't like me. And that person really is really upset with me. So if, if, if you're just carrying that around with you and just hoping that maybe they'll realize they're not. They're not. They've got all kinds of other things going on in their lives. If something has happened that has hurt you because of something that person did, you need to go and talk to them about it. Go and voice it because once you voice it, then it can't be ignored. See, for me, I'm the opposite. So I enjoy confrontation um, because a lot of times when things go bad, it's just a misunderstanding or the emotions got too involved mm -hmm. and their logic was gone. And so I'll explain, like I'll confront someone and be like, this instance made me feel this way, which in return caused this in my life or in my heart or in our relationship. And I tend to do that after time has gone because, you know, you got to give people a chance to gather themselves. And then when you bring that to someone, most of the time it's like, well, I'm sorry. I was going through this, which caused this, which made me say this, or you triggered me, or you made me feel this way, which is why I pushed back. Mm -hmm. But really, I didn't feel that way anymore, or things like that. I've noticed that confrontation tends to make things better. At least if there's no reconciliation, you just understand where the other person stands. Right. Then you'll be able to understand future instances. Well, I know that that person thinks or feels this way about this thing, so it makes sense that, you know, in return, this instance has the same right. level. And that comes with all disagreements. Even, like, one of the, the instances that I like to use is, like, political disagreements. For some reason, we have come to this idea that if you don't believe the same thing that I believe, then you're just completely wrong and you're an idiot. Right. So I love it when people will post a really uh, scathing post about one political party or the other because I like to go to their Facebook page and I like to look at all of their posts and all of their history and get to know them a little bit better and realize, oh, that's why that person posted that. Right. And that's that's why they feel that way. Whereas, you know, if I were just to post another scathing reply of, well, you're an idiot because you believe that way. And how could you even look at it that way? If I would have an open-ended conversation and simply say, okay, I hear what you believe. Why do you believe it? That, that opens up a whole new door. Right. Rather than trying to convince that person, because in reality, I'm probably never going to convince that person that their political party is wrong. Right. And understand that whoever's listening, this is not an endorsement for any political party. None. <laughs> not like one I, of I, them. I, I'm not doing that mess. All right. I'm not going to jump into that field. But if we, we just need to go about it differently. Mm -hmm. We need to picture someone as a human being and then open a conversation with them about what it is that they believe and what it is that, that they differ in opinions from us because when we do that we gain a better understanding of who they are as a person right and then when we do that we understand why they make the decisions that they make and we, why they do those things we have to get back to a place where we can disagree with someone and still love them mm -hmm. right um because at the end of the day our experiences our life the way that we grew up the things that we've been taught in our lives um are going to 
filter the way that we see certain situations. And just because I may disagree with you on this one topic doesn't mean that I don't agree with you on everything else just about, you know, and, and even if we agree on very little, that's okay too. I can still love you. We can still be friends. Maybe we just don't talk about popular culture and that's (laughs) okay. Maybe we, maybe we just talk about our day and how it went and we drink coffee together and that's the basis of our relationship. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And that's great. Right. We just have to learn how to disagree with each other and still love each other. Right. And, and look at Jesus, you know, he, he and the, the religious leaders disagreed on so many things, yet you have two completely different responses. Jesus continued to, to fellowship with them and be around them and to eat with them and to teach around them. Yet the other side decided that Jesus was completely wrong and decided that he deserved to die for that. Right. So it's com- two completely different thoughts. One is vindictive and one is compassionate and there's a difference in in the way that we we respond to people i'm learning compassion (laughs) i don't mind confrontation i think it's healthy and i sometimes think it's necessary right but sometimes it's it's exhausting when you try to do all the things that you're saying and then you become the attacked Mm -hmm. And you're, so I'm learning. I struggle with that. Right. But I'll get there. I'll get there. I think, but on the flip side, having too much compassion is a bad thing. I can't help but to see people as as people. So I think about the fact that they were a baby at one time. Fresh, clean, slight I don't go, baby. I don't go, I don't go that far back. <laughs> oh, man, I do. I really I'm do. I'm like, you're, you're grown. It's so bad. I, That's right. I think of them as being a baby or someone's daughter. I'm pretty sure son. some come out of the womb vindictive. Like, that's just their <laughs> yes. natural disposition. Amen. Amen. Come out with pitchforks. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or the fact that they're important to someone's life or right. something like that. Like, their whole life experience has evolved up to the point where they did those things. So it's hard. Like, I can't help but to com- be compassionate. But that also opens the door for allowing people to do bad things. I do try to step back and put myself in the situation from where they're at as opposed to where I'm at. Right. Mm-hmm. And try to see it differently. And that's what I love about a team aspect is, um, you know, there, there's the person like me who's going to see, try and at least see the very best in everyone and always going to think, okay, well, let's take a step back. Let's look at it. Let's see what's going on. Let's try to understand. And then you're going to have that other person's like, okay, that's great. I love that person, but what they're doing is wrong and it has to be fixed. And so between the two of us, we can sort of balance each other out. Because if I'm, if I'm thinking too compassionate and say Ryan's thinking, okay, that's great, but we need to fix the issue together. We can do it. And I hate to say good cop, bad cop, but it's kind of the picture I get. It's, all the different perspectives. Exactly. And we could do it together in a way that's going to be best for that person. I'm not going to go too nice and the other person isn't going to go too hard. You know what I mean? And so we're having somewhere in the, in the middle of the road, let's get to the root of the problem. Like we talked about last week, getting to the root of the problem and then in the most compassionate way that we can. 
And I think there's a difference between being compassionate and being walked on. Like you can be compassionate, but that doesn't mean that you're supposed to set yourself up for, you know, constantly being taken yeah, taken advantage of and, and your feelings being disregarded and, and things of that nature. You know, you, you have to have, you have to have that set up. And, and I think that's where Matthew 18 comes from. You know, that's where once you get to the end of it, if there can't be a resolution, then yeah, okay, step away. That's fine. You know, it, there, there is no judgment or condemnation in that. Right. You know, always leave the door open for reconciliation if, if that's ever able to come. But don't set yourself up. So that's 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 Proverbs so far. And and we got on we got onto some different things, but I think it all comes back around to the community that you build around yourself is important. Yes. And having those people who are willing to be there through thick and thin and good and bad and you know, peaks and valleys. I think that that's that's incredibly important. And I think mm-hmm. that the church needs to take that role. And it needs to be that that community that people seek seek out and, and are a part of because there are thousands of other communities that aren't that aren't positive that people can become a part of. And in order to combat that, we have got to be that community. Right. And you may be sitting here listening to all this and saying, okay. I'm, I'm struggling with something. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's um, anxiety or worry or stress or whatever. And uh, what we'll see next week, um, picking up in verse 20, is where Proverbs begins to set up the importance of asking for wisdom mm-hmm. and discernment. And yeah. so if you're sitting here t- today like, okay, what do I do today? Seek wisdom. Pray asking God for wisdom. We talked about it a little bit last week, but... James talks about it. And throughout the Bible, there's different places where um, God is calling us to ask for wisdom. And so find somebody that you can um, you can talk to, build that community, and ask for wisdom. And uh, we'll pick up on that a little bit more next week. Also, we want to be that community for you. Um, we are recording this for other people, but in reality, it's just us four sitting in this office, and we've already built this connection where we know we can be open and honest with each other, which is why we veer off in different conversations. But you'll have four different perspectives and four people who genuinely care about your success, your growth, and your spiritual well-being. So come even when you're not feeling it, and just let us in on it. Hey, I'm not feeling it today. Hey, I'm struggling today. If you want to tell us more, great. We're open. We're ready. We care for you. And if not, then we just know to love you a little extra more that time. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are so many great leaders within this community. Oh, yeah. If it's, if it's not within First United Methodist Church, Snyder, if, if you're not a part of this community and you feel like you need to reach out to whatever community it is that you're involved in, then do so. Mm-hmm. You know, but find that person that you can seek wisdom from. You know, you don't, you don't want to go pick, you know, just some random person, but you know, those people in your life that you think, you know what, that is a great person to ask advice from. Find that person, whoever that might be and open up, be open, 
be honest and, and let them know what's going on. Let them know about your struggles and, and find that community to be a part of no matter where that's at. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to invite you to, to be a part of this community. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I am okay <laughs> with you, you going you somewhere can. else, but ultimately this community is the best. It is. <laughs> Amen. I will say that I was one of the people that struggled with, can I go to church considering my past? Can I be a part of a church? Can I do and be active in a church? And this was it. I mean, the minute I walked through the door, mm-hmm. I have never been treated with anything but love and kindness. And it's just been an awesome experience at this church. Nice. So, yeah, come be a part of our community. We're praying for you. We, we love you guys. We want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And we hope that this podcast has helped you do that. And remember, if you have any questions about uh, what we're saying or questions about the scripture uh, specifically, let us know and we're, we'd be happy to address those. Amen. Y'all have a great week. You too. Have a great week. <laughs>